Okay, when we get uh, all three congregations together and we have these whole church gatherings, we don't have uh, a particular sermon title or theme, and it's one that we pray into uh, weeks and months ahead because we feel like each time we have a whole church gathering, it's the beginning of a new term and a new start. And certainly in the office when we've been speaking and various meetings, we had George has come on as an evangelism deacon, she came up to the office and uh, full of passion and enthusiasm, as you'd expect. And, um, and gave us a kick out the backside, but on really mainly stuff that we already knew. But it was helpful anyway, thank you. Um, but, um, but really, this passion for the loss, which we all know God has, and we wanted to talk about evangelism and being witnesses. And that's what I want to speak about this morning, because I believe that God is challenging us, uh, all of us, uh, not just the chosen few. There are no such thing as the chosen few. Uh, Jesus said to all of his followers, you will be my witnesses. Um, you might not all be evangelists, I'll give you that, um, but you are all witnesses. Wherever you go, you take the presence of Christ with you. And that's, that is an amazing uh, privilege and one that should give you confidence. There's no PowerPoint uh, this morning, that is deliberate, because uh, I really want you to focus on these words, I know it helps, but I've written all of this and sent it to Martin for the church magazine. So it will be in the church magazine. All the Bible references will be in there and um, you can have a look. And I'd ask you to keep that, it'll be out in a few weeks, I think, uh, keep that um, and refer to it because we feel like we're coming into this new season um, and we want to kind of uh, give impetus to that uh, this morning. So I'm going to take uh, uh, at the beginning uh, the passage from Acts 1, Acts chapter 1, verses uh, 1 to 8. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptised with water, but in a few days you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered round him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And of course we know that that uh, promise was fulfilled as prophesied by the prophet Joel in Acts uh, 2 later on. They are filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and that promise now is for every believer, which means if you've given your life to Christ this morning, if you haven't, we can help you fix that later on, um, but you, you'll be uh, given the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. And he lives within you and you're called to be his witnesses. Now when I became a Christian, it was a bit of a journey which eventually led to me being baptised right there. Um, And uh, immediately, when I walked up and down the high street or at work or anything like that, this is just my testimony, it might be different for you, but immediately I saw the lostness, the the look of lostness in people's faces. And I wondered what I should do because people had spoken to me about Jesus or witnessed to me about Jesus. And I thought, what do I do? And at the time, I worked in the city um, and what to do? I wanted to tell them about Jesus. I could see it. 5.30 in the morning, the lostness on the platform at Billericay Station. I wanted to talk to them about what he'd done for them. But how was I going to do it? How do you approach someone on the platform early hours of the morning? What was I supposed to do? Maybe I should have screamed out, what is it going to be, heaven or hell? And they'd probably reply, I only want a ticket to London. 
what do you do? But when I reflect, and when I reflected on my own journey, I realised that many people had prayed. That was the start. Many people had prayed for me. That maybe they'd gently shared. Some people were just there. I knew they were Christians and I liked them. And that was enough. Some invited me to things. I started playing for the church football team and going to events because someone said they'd go with me. Eventually, God took all those things, all those things, and he drew me to himself. But the fact is, it's easy to go a bit soft. When I saw those, that lostness originally, I really had a passion uh, to speak to people about him. But it's been easy to get soft, uh, just a bit too comfortable Uh, To go with the flow, that would be the easy thing to do. But we need to see afresh, and I believe God is calling us to this, to see the faces, to see the lostness in the world without him, the drifting, the people who say there's no real hope. I feel God is asking us to take his mission and his word. He's given us his mission. He's given it to us. I can redress it and come up with all sorts of fancy names and put different words in, but he's given us the mission, his mission. We've got to take him seriously at his word and really live it out and be unashamed about it. He said, didn't he, the last recorded words in Matthew's gospel that Jesus gave. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. Just like we've done today. His presence is here with us and we've worshipped him, as we should. But some doubted. There's probably doubters uh, here as well. Then Jesus came to him and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He had all the authority to be able to say what's coming next. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you to the very ends of the age. What a wonderful promise. Jesus is with us to the very end of the age. You notice he says that in the context of witnessing. So I can come up uh, with a fancy mission statement and some vision and everything else, but this is it. This is the task of the church. On our window in the foyer, those that can see it, can you see on the window in the foyer, can you see what the words are? What are they, anyone? To know Jesus and make him known. What a great statement. Oh, it's up on the... Look, you didn't even have to look out the window. I didn't even do that. Did you do that? That's amazing, isn't it? It's up there all the time, I think, isn't it? Anyway, sharp as a beach ball, as ever. (laughs) To know Jesus and make him known. What a fantastic statement. I mean, who would argue with that? And as we move into this new season of our lives together, it's great to see the faithfulness of God and everything he's doing within the life of the church. Everything he's doing among us and in us. I've loved... For example, some of our recent church members meetings where we've been able, we've had space for the first time in ages. Really, We've always had stuff that we're trying to get through and we want to discern God's way. All that's good. But some of the last ones, we've had actually space. There's not been a lot on the agenda. And so we've been able to really say, right, just come with no big agenda. Listen to God and what he's saying. Prepare ourselves to hear what he has to say to us as a church. And one of the things that came back and was affirmed by the elders and ministers was that we keep focused on our mission, and not to get distracted. And we felt that maybe we had been. We recognise that God has got good things for us in the future, but he's also in the here and now, and we mustn't let that slip. While while we're keeping an eye on the future, we mustn't let slip his great mission for now. We don't have to wait until the next thing. He's with us and in us now, and this is his, his rally cry to us, found at the end of Matthew's Gospel. The discernment was that we've had a good time of stability after some bumpy roads, healing and recommitment, but 
generally there's a feeling that we're now on the cusp of moving forward in increased faith and renewed passion, living out these words of Paul given to him by God, as recorded in Romans 12. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour, serving the Lord, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. There was a sense that we had to take time among ourselves to be nurtured and moulded, effectively getting the people ready for what God has in store, which is to go and seek and save the lost. We're to be stretched, but not broken, challenged, not dismayed, humble, but full of confidence in God. And when Jesus said in that passage that I read at the beginning, you'll be my witnesses, in verse 8 of Acts 1, it was in the context of telling his followers to wait for the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. And he said, when when he comes on you, you will be my witnesses. There was a purpose. Do you see the connection? You see, there was a purpose. It wasn't, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, have some fun, and I hope hope it's just for you. But it's not. It was to equip us in mission. They had to wait for the Holy Spirit, but there was a purpose. He gave them their mission where you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Immediately gives them their their mission. You will be my witnesses. Effectively over the whole earth, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and he didn't really need to say it because it said, and to the ends of the earth. It kind of covers everything. And we've had a lot of teaching on the person and work of the Holy Spirit. We'll be finishing the gifts fairly soon. We've looked at the fruit of the Spirit. We've looked at the gifts of the Spirit. I've loved the way we're more open to the Holy Spirit in our services. But we have to see the intention of Jesus, that the Spirit is also given, not just for us, he's also given for mission, to empower us, to telling others. How else does the Church of Christ grow if nobody tells anyone who's not already a Christian? When I look at our window or on the overhead, to know Jesus and make him known. I think we're very good at the first half. I think we're really good at knowing Jesus. But the second part, making him known, reminds me of my old school reports, could do better. And this is the start, I believe, of a renewed commitment to evangelism and witnessing. To really be a church where prayer and witnessing and evangelism is is the heartbeat, not a murmur. It needs to be the heartbeat of the church. We've got a mission to go and seek and save the lost. So I think it's a renewed commitment to our evangelism and witness. In the Advent season, and this is just the beginning, and all I'm going to ask you to do really at the end is is start praying, because it's got to start with prayer. We cannot do it in our own strength. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. And so we have to go to him to get uh, the, the mandate and the power to witness to others. But in the Advent season, we're going to run a mini-series of being God's Advent people, being beacons is the theme that we've chosen as we shine light over a sometimes dark world, just as Jesus told us to, Matthew 5, 14 to 16. You are the light of the world. That's quite a, that's quite a bold statement, isn't it? You are. He called himself, didn't he? I'm the light of the world. But he said, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light the lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. They may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You are the light of the world. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. The world can be a dark place. You, the followers of Christ, are the light that shines in that dark place. You're a beacon or a lighthouse. We're going to get some nice pictures of them. So you can look forward to that in the... late November, early December, beacons. But none of them will be out. None of them will be not working. They will shine light across. Um, I'm, telling, I'm saying this so that you used to, when you get your pictures, you make sure they're shiny ones. 
Okay, I will help as well, as ever. I've delegated. That was my part, what I do. Uh, a beacon or a lighthouse is designed to shine. If it doesn't shine, it's not working properly. If its light goes out, then it's not fit for purpose. And we're, we're, called to, we're going to talk about being beacons of hope, beacons of love, beacons of joy, beacons of peace, as we reflect Jesus to the world. There's loads going on around us, right? We talk, as someone said to me the other day, you know, there's crisis in this country. And, and, and someone else said, yeah, there's no crisis in heaven. The Lord reigns. Whatever's going on in our country, in the world, the Lord reigns. And, and he will see his purposes come to fruition. So whenever we get too worried about the world, or about Brexit, or anything else, uh, the Lord reigns. And there might, we might feel there's these big crises, and of course we have to pray about them. There is no crisis in heaven. And God has everything under Whatever happens, whatever happens... God has it under control. When, when Jesus is before uh, Pilate, he says, oh, you know, uh, don't you know I've got the power to, to effectively kill you? And he says, you only got the power because my father gave it to you. You know, he knew where the power came from. So all these politicians and everybody else who think, I'm not putting them down, but who, who might think they've got the best, they're there because God has allowed it. And so we need to pray for them, which is what we're called to do. In January, we're going to preach a mini-series of ministry on the front line. What is the front line? It's really not in here, unless there's some non-believers in here. Really, this is for you to be equipped and inspired and sent out. It's your family, it's your neighbour, it's your workplace, it's your social life. It's wherever you connect with people, you are the person that brings Christ into that situation. It's not just about standing on street corners and shouting, turn or burn or heaven and hell, or whatever it is, which I don't think is overly helpful. It's about being with people and witnessing, Just it could be just by being there. And being known as a Christian, we're going to look at some, some, some of those later on. But your social life, it's wherever you connect with people. It means being intentional and, and actually having an agenda. We don't like to talk about that. Often, um, when, I, when I studied uh, evangelism methods and everything at college, uh, they would say, nobody likes to be someone's project. Well, that's fine, just don't tell them. <laughs> because they are. We should be unashamedly going after the lost. It means I've got to look at my neighbour, literally, and be intentional about praying for them. To look for opportunities, to invite them into my home, to get to know them, to be known as a Christian, inviting them to know more about my faith, about Jesus, joining Jesus in his mission to seek and save the lost, and then help them become part of God's family, and then sending them out to go and make disciples. Not everyone is an evangelist, but we are all called to be witnesses. We take Jesus into any given relationship or situation. And we can choose to be selfish or selfless. It means the people that annoy us, we've got to love them, because God does. Or the people that are hard, doesn't matter, persevere. Keep praying for them. Not everyone is the evangelist. We're all witnesses. We take Jesus wherever we go. And I'm hoping that all these things will inspire you, as as it's recorded in 1 Peter 3.15, always to be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you, to give a reason for the hope that you have. If you're a Christian, you have a story. Know it. Get ready. If someone says, why did you go to church? You go, you've lost them already. Uh, My line, I think I've told you before, uh, I'm mixed with a lot of non-Christians. They're to be found on golf courses, so I'll try and get there as often as I can for the the cause. Um, And um, whenever they say, what's it all? My nickname is The Rev. Um, It's brilliant if you lose a golf ball. There's only one person over there that writes Rev on his golf ball. They all come back to me. It's amazing. Um, but uh, they say, what's it all about? And I say, do you know, my faith means everything to me. That's, that's my line, and I don't say anything else. 
And pretty much 99 times over 100, they might leave it five minutes and say, well, why then? And then you're in. Um, But I used to get tongue-tied. So be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have. We have a great God, a great mission, a great task, and God gives us the Holy Spirit to help us. I'd want us to be, and I believe God wants us to be, unashamed in our passion to share Jesus, to make him known. We want, we want to be looking at all our activities of our church life. We've got a massive fringe and asking, how do we get to share Jesus into those situations? We don't need to be apologetic about wanting people to know. Let's take that individual responsibility to seek and save the lost, to say to God, like Isaiah did in Isaiah 6 verse 8, here I am, send me, send me. And then hear the voice of Jesus as he responds in John 20, 21. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. A lot of these verses are in the week of prayer this week. So when you pick it up, you'll see them. Let's take the mission of God seriously in utter reliance on him, but being ready to be amazed by him, because he will do more than we ask or imagine. And I told you at the beginning that many people shared in different ways in my, in my journey over the years. I want to highlight uh, the P's that we share on Alpha uh, when we talk about um, telling others. And you see all the variety in being the good news. Okay, so there's no one way. There's loads of different ways, and it will depend on your personality. Really quickly, the first P is presence, being salt and light. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. They may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Just being salt and light, being the the good influence in a given situation is part of witnessing. Joining in with the crowd, whether it's at school with the bullies or the, the shamers or putting someone down on Facebook or WhatsApp or whatever it is, Uh, you're using, that's not being salt and light. Being salt and light is standing with the person who's getting that flack. And you need it, because there's a lot of abuse that goes around, and Christians should be the one that build others up, not tear them down. There's loads of different ways you can do it. You can put an arm around someone, encourage them. It's really uh, heartwarming to hear Charlotte up here a few weeks back, and she said, I was speaking about spiritual gifts and prophecy and healing and all that, and she said, you know, I think, she said, one of the biggest gifts is the people who've just encouraged me in my walk. And I thought, yeah, that's amazing. We're, we're, we're going to be talking about the gift of encouragement fairly soon. It, that's what it means to be salt and light, making a difference in the world just because you're a Christian. The second P is persuasion, being ready with your answers. I've already said about being ready for, to give an answer for the hope that you have. But the Bible talks about this ministry of reconciliation, bringing people back to God. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.11, Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience, drawing others to God. We can have a third peer of proclamation. All of you can invite someone to something. Okay? You can, all of you can say, just come and have a look. If you're not the person that can tell them, you can invite them. John 1, 39 to 46. Listen to all these invites. These would be great Alpha witnesses if they went out and invited people to Alpha in our modern day uh, evangelism. So John uh, 1.39, come, he replied, and you will see. Come and have a look. And so they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon's Peter brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, 
That is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. He invited him and brought him along to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which, when translated, is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth... Nazareth, can anything come from there? Anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. Come and see, said Philip. He just invited him. He didn't have all the answers. He just said, come and have a look. All of you can invite people. You can all say, come and see for yourself. You know, Tom's going to run an alpha. He's going to put a lot of work into it. He's going to do really well. No pressure. Uh, there's a sign-up sheet. If it's blank in three weeks, he can't. Minute. What can he do? You've got people, and if you haven't, you want to build a fringe around you. Don't only know the Christians. If we're taking Jesus' mission seriously, get on a golf course with me, and um, you'll see a lot of non-Christians. Um, but ask them, say, come and see. Ian, what is it about? Oh, my faith's really important. I don't really get it. Well, why don't you come and see? Why don't you come and see? It's easy in many senses. Uh, the next P is power. Power in counties. In counties? In the county of Billericay. Weak, I know. Uh, power encounters in healings or speech even. Uh, I've already spoke about Acts 1 verse 8 where Jesus said, wait, because the Spirit will come upon you, you'll have power and then you'll be my witnesses. 1 Thessalonians 1, Thessalonians 1 5 said, uh, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. All I can preach is words. All you can say is words, but with the Holy Spirit, he convicts people. And the final one, probably the most important one, What's the final P? Prayer. You know, if we think we're doing it in our own strength, we're in trouble. Pray for the opportunities and encounters. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Um, I'm going to get someone to come up and share in a minute. That's my brother-in-law. He's all right. I used to think he looks like Vin Diesel, but he's grown his hair back now, so I can't really make the comparison. He's a big lad. And uh, I was speaking to him last week, and he was just sharing things that I didn't know about. So he's just going to have five minutes uh, to share in a second. But um, to give you an example, uh, I like my motorbikes, as you know. I've got one. And uh, I was in a garage uh, the other week, and I, I, I always pray for opportunities wherever I meet someone. And I went in there, and a the guy I've been dealing with, I hope he doesn't go on the website now, listen... But big guy, about six foot two, broad, tattoos everywhere, um, shaven head, big beard, like proper, you know, like Aaron's beard, really long. And, you know, the sort of bloke you'd cross the road if he was coming, around, coming down the street. Anyway, I'd prayed for opportunities. I went in there and he goes, oh, it's really funny. Cause, uh, so I've got my church email address and I've got uh, my personal one. My personal one is revianSmith at gmail.com. Okay, it took me ages to think that one up. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and, and so that's the one I use for my, you know, when the motorbikes do its service and everything else. He said, oh, I had to email you back. And do you know, do you know how I remembered your email address? Because I know it's Rev, as in, run, run, Ian Smith. I like what you did. He said, but the way I remember it is I pretend you're a reverend. <laughs> and I said to him, guess what? And I got my business card out. He goes, no. He said, you have changed everything I believed about the church. Which I'm not, I, don't, I think it was a good thing. <laughs> And I had to text Andrea, and I said, look, because I was talking for him an hour and a half, seriously, about the church, about my, uh, my, my journey and everything. I didn't have to stand and go in and say, before we start, Joe, I'm a Christian and turn or burn. 
you know, I, 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 I just started talking to him. Now, I know, you know, the only way you're going to get that illustration is stick rev before your name and everything. And, um, but, but in amazing. It's hard to remember because I pretended you was a reverend. I thought it was hilarious. And, but I was able to share with him. I was able to share with him. Amazing. So Greg, he's going to come up. It's my brother-in-law. Um, to come up means you've got to get up, walk down here, up here. I have to apologise. He's going to come up. Strap in, lad. Look, it goes down the gym. There he is. So I didn't know much of this story. Greg uh, worships at Hillsong, uh, you know, local church, is it? You live in Upminster? Local church. Whatever. Not so, <laughs> um, and um, yeah, I just want him to share a little bit because it, uh, what I want to get out of this is how God uses people even when they don't expect it and just little things, okay? So you can use this mic. Okay, welcome. <laughs> um, a little nervous, so I'm not really... Uh, um, but, yeah, it's great what you were saying because it's important to actually um, step out of your comfort zone, really, because it's, it's not that for me. It could be for someone here, what I'm about to say and share and things like that. So, um, yeah, basically, well, basically, I come from a uh, majority of family of a, a Christian background um, and sort of dragged to church. But um, I used to hate it. It was one of my friends at school uh, would, go, would be going to church. I was thinking, why do I have to go? So I don't really listen to what was going on. Um, but I, what I did pick out of it was I learned that there is a God and there is a devil. There's a, that's, what I, that's what I sort of learned from it. Um, even going to Sunday school but not really listening, that was all I learned from it. Um, and through my whole journey, uh, I sort of lived my own, my own ways, my selfish ways. And um, I, could see, I can see now that God was really... In all of the sections, he, he was just like picking me up. He was trying to show me things. I could see it now, but I just kept carrying, living my life, you know, my own sort of selfish ways. It was only last, um, last April I decided um, uh, to totally give my life to Jesus, and I was baptised last April. Um, just to, I knew where I wanted to be, and it was going to be a long journey. It was going to be a long process. You're not going to just suddenly change like that, but I knew where I wanted to be, so it was like, now I've got to be baptised. And then the journey is taking place right now. Uh, and sharing testimonies was fantastic. So I'll be able to like, share what I went through and some of it. But uh, one significant part, okay, um, was uh, I, I just came home. It's about just over 10 years ago. And I came home one night from, from work feeling absolutely terrible. I was in a bad way. Uh, not, not drinking. I used to drink a lot. Um, you know, no drink, no drugs, nothing like that. But um, I came home just absolutely terrible. What it was, I was going through about a couple of months at work, uh, a real struggle, stress at work. And um, I'm not going to pick out names and whatever, but because that, those people, who, it was like a, it was like a, it was like a mental um, uh, abuse, basically. And, and so, um, people were going through issues, but it was just being attacked on me. And every day I was going into work, coming home, just exhausted from it. And I was like tired, and I really want to put a lot of effort. I've been there for ten years already, but whatever whatever I did was wrong. It, you know, I tried really hard, but I was just being attacked all the time. And it was I was just going home exhausted and tired of it. And I was absolutely. And this particular night, so it was. Um, um, just give me two seconds. Yeah, I can get some down here if you want. Oh, he's got some. Oh, he's doing the runner. <laughs> so, yeah, I came home. I should be, 
I just said, oh, I'm so, I'm absolutely had enough. I'm just going to go to bed. It was early, and I'm just going to go upstairs to the bedroom, and um, and I'm just going to just go to bed. I'm thinking, no, I'm not even, not even tired. I'm not even like, uh, I'm not going to be able to sleep. I'm, oh, what's wrong with me? I should be enjoying myself. I should be going to the kitchen. I live alone. Um, I should be going to the kitchen, cooking, finding friends, watching TV, enjoying myself. And I was just like, what is wrong with me? I just feel absolutely, my, my mind was just, I was had enough of everything. And I was, I was getting in such a bad state. Never, I can't explain it. It was just terrible. Thinking, I just, actually, I just want to look at what I look like in the mirror. And I've got the wardrobe, it's a full-length mirror's wardrobe thing. I turned around to look at the mirror. I couldn't see my face. And so another shock of worry just went through me. I could see a figure there. I just couldn't see my face. I was looking around the room. Everything else was going blurry. And, uh, I was, and it, was, it, was a, it was a worry. And, uh, and then the next minute, just something came to my mind. It was well, my dad told me a story about um, my granddad. So he died when I was very young. And um, I haven't got all the details right, but dad told me about uh, a granddad when it was about my age and he had a nervous breakdown. But he was in the hospital for like a couple of weeks, or I don't know if details are right or not. But thinking in the hospital just for a breakdown, I didn't know this was that bad. I think it's going to run through the family. I'm next. I'm going to go for a breakdown. Now I live alone. I'm going to hit the floor, and I'm feeling really weak. I start going really weak. I'm starting feeling really ill, and because uh, that worry just hit me after thinking that, and um, and I might be on the floor like, and uh, now sometimes for a couple of days, I've not contacted anyone or family or whatever, and might be on the floor just in a mess or dead or something. I don't know. It's that bad. So there I am. I'm really in a bad situation. I'm actually on my knees on the floor now because I've got nothing in me. I've got no energy. I'm thinking, wow, I'm going to... Something's going on here, you know. I'm in a bad way. Um, I'm on my knees and I'm, I'm there. Have you got me? I'm going to... If you just hang on to that part of the story, I'm just going to jump out into this other story and it will meet up in a minute. Um, my sister, amazing sister, I love her to bits, she's fantastic. Married uh, an amazing guy, fantastic guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> we sorted out some money that we're bad, what I had to say here. He's going to pay me later. Um, no, he's uh, absolutely fantastic guy, but uh, atheist. Uh, an amazing testimony, it's fantastic testimony. So very quickly, he came out of the city, just uh, seven years at Spurgeon's, and uh, he was a minister. He became a minister. Church. It was absolutely amazing, and um, and he's always there for everybody. He's fantastic. He was just a really nice guy. So always has been. And <laughs> it was one. So we would, we would go to his church in uh, the first church of Stock. So we'd go there for like um, uh, like a Sunday meal. So I was still not really a Christian. I wasn't really, really, I wasn't really there. But I would actually listen that time to what Ian was saying once. <laughs> <laughs> they do sometimes. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, after the service, just went out the back and said, Ian, that's fantastic. Because everyone was having tea and coffee out the back. And he, he was sitting in the office. And I said, Ian, that's fantastic what you just said. And whatever, it, um, uh, at the time, I, I said, yeah, I had trouble reading the Bible. I can't, I don't read it because I don't understand like, the words. Because it's old scripture and he's straight away without even speaking just gave me this easy to read uh this bible which version i don't know it was a message the message which was like fantastic what a guy just straight away just gave me this to borrow to borrow i was supposed to borrow it 
and it stuck on the side for like three years without me picking up and reading it. But it was like a comfort, I don't know, but I didn't even pick it up and read it. It just sat there for three years. And um, Ian's only just started talking to me now since I was supposed to give it back to him. <laughs> but um, he's forgiven me. <laughs> no. So, um, so that was that. So, yeah, okay. So coming back to my story, yeah, I'm, I'm in a bit of a bad way on my knees and just thinking. And, and that was it. I just, what came to my mind was that Bible. It was just in arm's length. I had no energy, nothing like that, but it was in arm's reach. And it was this Bible sat on the side next to my bed. And I just picked it up out of like, there's nothing else. I can't, what? I can't, if I phone someone or I phone a friend or phone, they're not going to understand what I'm really going through. It's like, you can look at someone from the outside and they're absolutely fine, but you don't know what's going on the inside of people. And it's like, just being there for, you know, someone all the time, just in case they're going through issues. But uh, they wouldn't be able to see that or hear that in my voice. So I, I just reached out of, that's the only thing I've got. And I've never read it. And uh, I just sort of flicked open randomly there might have been a marker in it and there was a paragraph just on its own there's a gap a paragraph gap it's just one paragraph and even though I couldn't even see or everything was blurry but I could just see the words so I thought I've got to read this in that paragraph um, I started reading each each word and each sentence just related to everything I was going through like all the issues at work, everything was just so powerful. There, the, the, the words just came out of the Bible and just filled me. I'm on the floor, like, all of a sudden, instantly, I'm standing up with this almighty power, just feeling strength. And the Bible is Jesus, is God. It's just like his power just went through me. I'm standing there like an amazing power, just like, wow, this, I'm... I could see, I could like, I can think clearly, I can do everything. It was just absolutely amazing. I used to, as a young kid, I used to watch this thing on TV. It was called uh, He-Man. I'm that old, yeah? It was a He-Man. And he used to lift his sword up and he's, I have the power. And he would strike his sword up and lightning and everything. I felt like a crack thunder. I felt like that, you know? I just felt like I had the strength. And this is God. His word, his Bible is just absolutely amazing. This is God doing this through me. He just completely saved me instantly. Um... I carried on. I was, I was still getting, I was going to, I carried on going to the, uh, even sitting on the train, I was looking around at people on the train, thinking, are oh, you really saved? I was loving people. I used to be an angry person. I'd get on the train early in the morning. I'm terrible in the morning. Um, but actually, like, loving people, like, looking at them and thinking, are oh, you saved? You know, do you know Jesus? is like, wow, he's just saved me. It's just amazing. Uh, I was still getting attacked at work because I was right in the middle of, I was still getting battled. But you know what? Nothing touched me because I had the armor of God. I had, like, the shield, the belt of truth, the shield. I just felt covered. I felt an amazing, like, shield, a hole around me, and nothing could touch me. All the battles were coming in. I even went into a meeting with someone, and they just sort of broke down in front. I was, what, that's weird. I was just, <laughs> there was nothing could touch me. Um, I might have done over five minutes away. <laughs> um, good. So, yeah, I carried on. And um, even, I've got a, I've got a, long, a whole testimony of stuff that's going on for my life and uh, uh, I know even then I still sort of uh, left I still I still sort of done my this was over 10 years ago but I just live my own selfish way still um, um, but it just shows God is always there for you. He, he won't give up no matter how I kept coming out of it or just living my own selfish ways he kept reaching out for me he wanted me 
and then uh, two I just gave up and said last April I'm going to be baptised because I know where I'm going to be I want to completely surrender all um, so yeah there is more to it there's loads more of my testimony and uh, maybe one day I'll be able to share it but so thanks for listening I hope and I pray that it might be for you out there you know what's, what's touched your hearts um, of what I've just gone through of God just saving the Bible is so strong um, yeah thank you mm-hmm. thanks for listening thank you Thank you, Greg. And, and I really, it's just because Greg was, it was his birthday uh, last week and we, we uh, went for an Indian in Upminster and um, we were just talking. I thought, yeah, it'd be wonderful for him to share that on Sunday because I had no idea that stuff had been going on. Uh, but you, through that testimony, what, what I was trying to get out of it is that, is that all through his life, people were speaking into it. It could be actions, it could be words. And then finally, God spoke to him, because that's what it gets to. It's got to be God. Um, no glory goes to anybody apart from God. And uh, eventually, he reached out to him. And I wanted that to encourage you that it might be simply handing someone an easy Bible to read, or sharing with them, or praying for them, or speaking into their life, or putting an arm around them. All those things God, God will do, because... Uh, I feel that God, in our witnessing, uh, as I finish now, and, and the musicians can start getting ready because uh, we're going to sing a response song, but I feel that God isn't asking us uh, to be timid about our witnesses, but he's, he's been asking us to be bold. The term among us in the team, when we talk about it, it's quite an aggressive word, is to be ferocious in our evangelism and witness. And why wouldn't we be? Because it's so important. When you hear things like that, and all of us have got a testimony, uh, then it's, it just encourages us how important it is. Let's be encouraged. Just as Paul the Apostle encouraged a young minister in Ephesus, he said, For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord. We do not have to apologise. Um, we do not have to be fearful that people might think we're ramming him down their throat. Not that we want to do that. Uh, but we have to find ways to tell them. Because people are lost. Greg was lost. I was lost. You were lost until you were found. There is a big gap opening up among God's people now in this nation and the world uh, between that God's people and those that don't know him. And they're struggling and they are lost, thinking this is it. They're separated and we're seeing this by a great chasm they're desperate and we need to be able to speak his name into the darkness they need to know that Jesus Christ is alive he is full of hope for them he offers them mercy he shows them grace he takes their sin he bears their shame he takes it to the cross and the cross speaks back to them they are forgiven and redeemed the king of kings calls them his own and they are his forever. The grave, as we sang earlier, has no claim on them. They'll be with him forever. His is the victory and he calls all to share that with him. Hallelujah, praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me. He's broken every chain, there's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ is the living hope. We've been given our mission statement. We've been given our mission statement and now we have to go and not not be fearful of the challenge to go and make disciples, to know Jesus and make him known. That is our challenge. And it starts today. And how does it start today? My task for you today, be thinking about Alpha, be thinking about the events, but prayer. 
Just start praying into this, because we're going to use it as a season. This is not a one-off. Start praying. Get along to the prayer mornings and evenings and pray into this. Use this week. It's all about mission. It's all about mission. Tom's going to serve communion to us in a second, and we're going to respond with living hope.